Hello and welcome back to another edition of How You Quickfire. I'm your host, Gidonaman, and today we are going to be talking about episodes 7 and 8 of The King, Eternal Monarch. But before I do get into the podcast, I uh, do want to apologize that this podcast is going up a little bit later than usual. Um, basically, uh, the previous podcast, which was a song analysis of I Use 8, basically went longer than usual, like in terms of like length. And that's why this podcast is coming out later. So apologies for that. But um, as usual, um, if you haven't followed our social media, please feel free to do so if you want to. Um, The links to those will be in the description below. So with that being said, let's get into episodes 7 and 8 of The King. Beginning with episode 7, it begins very similarly to how episode 5 begins. The episode literally starts off with the crown prince talking to head servant No and how the crown prince essentially told Lee that Lim is alive through the autopsy report that in the previous episode he gave to Lee. And with that information, Lee is going to start his plan to basically track down Lim. So he plans to go back to the Republic of Korea. The only problem this time is that Young, who... To be honest, doesn't really know what's going on still. He's still very much in the dark. Tries to stop him again because he's thinking, Oh my god, what is what is this guy doing? He is running away from the palace again. And he tries to stop him. But Lee, anticipating that his friend and loyal comrade and servant would attempt to do this, decided, Hey, I think it's time to bring him to the Republic of Korea. So through some persuasion, Young decides to go along with Lee and head towards the Republic of Korea. And I think Lee did this not only just to have his personal bodyguard with him at all times in a different universe, but I think Lee was also getting a little bit annoyed with Young considering he was technically doing his job, but at the same time, he was basically interfering with what the king wanted to do. Hence why he just brought him along. And while all of that was happening, we cut to what is happening in the Republic of Korea. And we find Taeul and Shinje along with the rest of the detectives basically continuing their lives as normal in the Republic of Korea, investigating a new murder in Seoul. While this murder will actually become more important later, there was a particular scene that I actually found to be quite interesting. And that was when Taeul decides to visit Nari her neighbor and the owner of her own boba shop in the episode. And while this visit was really nothing out of the ordinary at first, Taeul then asked a very interesting question to Nadi, and that was what she would do if there was a doppelganger of hers out there. Now, we know that Taeul obviously knows that there's multiple universes out there, and for the most part, she has met most of her friends in that universe. So for her to ask this question is very interesting. And Nadi obviously doesn't really know what is going on really. And Nali responds basically saying that she would kill her alter ego, mainly because of the fact that having two of the same person, in her opinion, creates chaos, which is pretty much true for the most part because 
obviously when Taeyeol went to the Kingdom of Korea with Lee, there was always there was obviously tons of problems with her just showing up in the Kingdom of Korea because she was basically a complete unknown in that universe. And you know, having a conversation with someone who has no idea what is going on, I think kinda creates this feeling of doubt in Taeyeol. Mainly because, you know, while her meeting with Lee and just basically traveling to a different universe, which is pretty cool by the way, it's also kinda creating chaos between both of their worlds. And obviously, with how this plot is coming along, these two universes, both the Kingdom of Korea and Republic of Korea respectively, are melding together a lot more than they were before, which I think will create a lot more chaos than what we already see already. Meanwhile, speaking of Lim, we do find Lim continuing to scheme, and slowly but surely, recruiting more and more more and more doppelgangers in the Republic of Korea, waiting for the opportunity to basically find and kill Lee once and for all. And in this, we finally get to the end, to what was the end of episode 6, in the middle of episode 7, when Lee meets Taeyeol once again. Obviously, at the end of episode 6, Taeyeol has a very rather emotional meeting with Lee, and afterwards, we finally see that Taeyeol and Lee head into the Taekwondo Center that we've seen before. And that's where we meet Yang, who obviously is still very confused as to what is this new place that Lee took him to. And <laughs> it, it's quite funny, actually, because Taeyeol, for, for a good couple minutes genuinely thought that Young was Yunsup who is base who is you know as we all know is is Young's alter ego in the Republic of Korea which i find to be f quite funny because <laughs> even though like Yunsup has a completely different hairstyle Taeyeol still this associates Young with Yunsup which is which i find quite funny and then <laughs> Out of out of nowhere, Yeonsup just shows up to the Taekwondo Center and he meets Young for the first time. And hilarity ensues. Genuinely, when they first meet, it's I, I laugh pretty hard, I'm not gonna lie. Like especially like with Yeonsup's comment that he just based on Young's looks, which I mean he is a very gorgeous man just to begin, <laughs> just commenting on how he's so attractive. <laughs> I mean, like, that line I just find hilarious. <laughs> just, like, it's just, it's like poking fun at oneself, but it, you're kind of not at the same time because you are basically making this commenting on your alter ego who is, I mean, <laughs> I guess you could call it comedy through insecurity, which I think <laughs> is quite quite refreshing to know that Yeonsup is willing to joke like that. And to top it all off, the man faints twice during that scene in the Taekwondo Center, which this adds to the hilarity, which is great. And then, moving on from that, Yeonsup, Lee, Taeyeol, and uh, Yong basically move to Yeonsup's house to basically kind of just regroup in the Republic of Korea. And even more in hilarity ensues because we're, we're basically finding 
through Young, like just Yonsub's personality, which is this great. I mean, he's. I think, I think it. This drama is making it clear that Yonsub's just gonna be the uh, comic relief character in this drama, which. I'm I'm glad that he is like that, but I hope, <laughs> I hope he's gonna develop more. But still, nonetheless, it, it's still hilarious to watch, and then. <laughs> Teirul being the responsible mom in this scene is basically just, you know, <laughs> just lecturing both Young and Yeonsup on how to act, considering they're both the same person in the Republic of Korea, and obviously that creates problems, so Teirul basically has to just come in, lecture them like a teacher, while, Yo- while Lee is basically kind of like the happy-go-lucky father that's just there, just quiet. And, you know, like, he's just there patiently waiting for Teiru to finish her lecture. So, he and Teiru can just run off, run away from Yong and Yeonsup, that the problem that is Yong and Yeonsup, and just go on a romantic date. Something that I imagine that for most people in romantic relationships, especially those who are madly in love, want to do as soon as possible, especially if they're in a situation like this. So... I mean, yeah, just to top that off is just great and hilarious, and I love it. <laughs> Speaking of dates, we get an opportunity to look into what Taeul and Lee get onto during their date, and in typical K-pop fashion, we see Lee being the heartthrob of a man he is, be incredibly romantic to Taeul, which I think Taeul like for the most part. But I think the more important thing that we take from this date scene is the fact that Taeul actually tells Lee of her murder case that she's been working on and how the evidence that she has turns out to be connected to the Kingdom of Korea, which obviously does pique Lee's interest. So Taeul decides to investigate this piece of evidence further, only to discover an individual. And that individual so happens to be Lee Lim's alter ego in the Republic of Korea. And if you don't remember from the earlier episodes, Lee Lim killed his alter ego in the Republic of Korea, which is quite an important plot point. So considering that Taeul is slowly getting wind of this now, it'll be really interesting to see what happens going forward. Besides that, we also take a deeper dive into Shin Jae's backstory, and we discover that he was actually terminally ill back when he was a kid and for me Shinjay's just general character and his backstory is honestly up there with one of the more interesting parts of this drama so I'm really interested to see how this unfolds. Lee also gets the chance to explain to Yong as to why he is even in the Republic of Korea and also of Lee Lim's plot as well and aside from that we also get the identity of Luna revealed to us, as through a voice message left on Yong's phone, we find out that Taeul and Luna are the same person. So we finally get confirmation that Taeul's alter ego in the Kingdom of Korea is in- is indeed Luna. And if you don't remember from the previous episodes, Prime Minister Ku was quite suspicious of Taeul, and Thanks to her informant in the palace, as seen in the previous episodes, she also now has caught wind of what is going on between Teul and Luna. 
And ironically enough, it turns out that Luna, on the day that Prime Minister Ku finds out about the whole thing with Teirul and Luna, is getting released from jail. So Prime Minister Ku decides to drive off to the prison that she's held in in order to confront her. And that is how episode 7 ends. Overall, I think this episode was a decent one, albeit it was quite slow, but we also got more details about things that we didn't exactly get much detail about beforehand, so I think this was overall a productive episode, even though it was quite slow. But I think the funny moments in this in this particular episode kind of saved it for me, so yeah, let's move on to episode 8 of this drama. Episode 8 begins right where episode 7 leaves off, where Prime Minister Ku is confronting Luna in front of the prison. And we find out a lot more about Luna just as a character, as it turns out that she is a thief, which isn't really that surprising when you think about it, but apparently for a fee, she can basically find anyone or steal anything as long as the price is good, which is quite interesting considering she is Taeru's doppelganger in the Kingdom of Korea. And while Prime Minister Ku is kind of doing her own version of an interrogation to see if Luna is Taeru, even though she's not in actuality, Luna, about the fact that Ku is the Prime Minister of the country, and just shoves her off and goes on her merry way, all the while actually stealing something from Prime Minister Ku's wrist which I think is quite fitting considering she is quite the thief. After this, Prime Minister Ku is driving back in her car, and ironically enough, her mother calls and tells her to be safe in driving and to not lose anything, which again, is kind of a coincidence considering what just happened. This call ends up having to be ended prematurely as Ku's mother has to deal with a customer, with that customer being Lee Lim, who back, I think back in the earlier episodes, actually left behind an object at Ku's shop. So <laughs> that's quite an interesting twist. I didn't, at the time, I didn't expect Lee Lim to make an appearance like that in the Kingdom of Korea. So that's quite interesting. Um, it does make me wonder why does Lim have such a interest in Prime Minister Ku and her family? Maybe it's, it's for obvious reasons considering Ku is the Prime Minister of Korea, but maybe there might be an, a, a different reason as well, so maybe we'll probably find out later on. But aside from that, we also get a continuation into the murder case that we began to see back in Episode 7, and Taeul and friends and now have reason to believe that the roommate that Taeul was actually uh, questioning back in episode 7 in Yeonji might perhaps be responsible, but they don't have much evidence to pin on Yeonji, so they instead have to go after the victim's boyfriend, who so happened to have ran away when the murder occurred. So he to, he, to them, is a person of interest in this case. But before Taeul could bring the boyfriend in, Shin Jae comes in and announces that he's taking the day off on the day that they're going to arrest the boyfriend, which is quite interesting. And we've come to find out that the reason that he actually took off is because he has to get his mother 
who, if you remember from the earlier episodes, actually got arrested because she got caught gambling again. So Shinje went to the prison and basically freed her. Leading to what I think is one of the highlights of this episode where Shinje takes his mother out to dinner shortly after getting her out of jail. And Shinje, obviously still quite mad and disappointed in his mother for once again getting caught gambling, asks the big question to her, his mother about if she was actually happy when he regained consciousness when he was a kid. Now, this is quite a very sensitive issue, just as we see on camera, as when we see in the flashback, it's kind of implied that Shinji's family was actually quite wealthy and quite well off in terms of like just financially. But unfortunately, due to one reason or another, they felt on hard times, which most likely led to Shinji's mom to go through the gambling problem that she has. And... And that we also find out that Shinji's father is also in jail for something. So yeah, it's just this whole scene, like for me, is quite important because it develops Shinji's character a lot more. I think I've I've kind of noticed this trend, like in the past four episodes, of basically developing Shinji's character. So we're basically seeing more of him. He's just getting more screen time in general, really. And I think it's just developing what is was already a interesting character to begin with into someone that, you know, is honestly would take the show. Like if Lee and like the whole thing going on with Lee and like the universes and Lee Lim and whatnot weren't there, I would genuinely just be interested in this to into just watching this drama just because of what is going on in Shinji's life. Like, what is going on in Shinji's life alone would be a great K-drama in of itself. Like, it would be great. But unfortunately, Shinji is just a side character in this, but scenes like this kind of prove to me that this drama, even with its side characters, is written reasonably well, especially in the case of Shinji, so that's good. Meanwhile, Taeul, along with her compatriot in Jiangmi, participate in a stakeout in looking for the boyfriend of the victim from uh, episode 7. And they manage to get him. They interrogate him back at the police station and they come to the conclusion that the boyfriend, or Junggu, is not responsible for the murder. And they're kind of left in a bit of a pickle. Only for that pickle to be solved when Taeul gets a call from the roommate that Taeul actually questioned earlier in Yongji. And she basically confesses to the crime, which is quite unexpected. But as Jung-gu is about to be released by Taeul from the police station, Jung-gu tells Taeul that Yongji actually had two phones, which perks Taeul's interest because the person that she is looking for regarding the Lee Lim case had two phones. So Teul immediately goes to the apartment where back in episode seven to go and look for the phone, which I think will which becomes really important here. As Yonji in prison actually gets questioned by one of Lee Lim's assistants asking about the phone that she has in her possession. Now granted, because she's obviously in jail, she doesn't have it with her at the moment, Lee Lim's assistant makes it very clear 
that she has to find the phone or else she faces very dire consequences, which only add to the importance of her role as an agent in Lim's army. Meanwhile, in all of this, Lee and Yang decide to go to a cafe to find something to eat, and they so happen to discover someone who recognized them. Lee realizes that this is a problem, and they immediately leave the restaurant, only to order Yang to basically apprehend this person and take him in somewhere in Seoul for questioning. We see this person get questioned by Young and Lee, and we discover that he is actually, in fact, one of Lim's many minions that he has planted in the Republic of Korea, making Lee realize that Lee Lim's influence in the Republic of Korea is a lot bigger than previously thought. With this information in his possession, Lee proceeds to order the minion that he has in his custody to kill himself, which is quite a unexpected nasty streak coming out of Lee. <laughs> so far, we haven't really seen Lee have very much a ruthless attitude about him. I mean, he, sure, he's a very charismatic leader, but that th that's very different to what he basically ordered this minion. Or, I mean, in retrospect, he's actually a citizen of the Kingdom of Korea to do. <laughs> Something not very kingly of him to do, considering the benevolent and very kind persona that the king of Korea is perceived as. Moving on from that, we have Taeru meet Lee once again at Nari's cafe, with Lee discovering from Taeru more information about Lee Lim's alias in the Republic of Korea. We discovered that through the records, we see that Lee's counterpart in the Republic of Korea is presumed dead. However, Lee does kind of figure out through process of elimination that his mother might perhaps still be alive. And this brings us to the topic of Shin Jae once again as he makes another appearance. As we see Shin Jae at a burial plaque for Ji Hee, one of his friends back in episode 2. And we see Ji Hee's mother, who... We, I should reiterate, was another person who made a deal with Lee Lim once again, spying on Shin Jae as he goes to work at the police station. And she says something very interesting in that, I mean, I'm paraphrasing what she said, but she basically says that the jig might be up. How and why does this relate to Shin Jae? Who knows, but that might be something really important. But... We also see Shinjae finally discover that Lee is back in the Republic of Korea through interrogating Yeonsup, who so happened to have Young's phone in his jacket. With this information, Shinjae proceeds to go to Lee's hotel thanks to Yeonsup, and he manages to break in into his into his home. And he so happens to find the autopsy papers for Lee Lim in, in Lee's jacket. Young then ambushes him in the room and there's a very, very elaborate fight scene that occurs between both of them, which is only stopped by Lee, who manages to apprehend Shin Jae. Shin Jae, who is obviously very confused as to what is going on, then proceeds to try to question Lee and to why he is back in the Republic of Korea. When Shinjae actually presses Lee as to 
how he recognizes certain objects or certain emblems as we do see him do exactly that in earlier episodes, Lee realizes that Shinje is not of the Republic of Korea. He only recognizes all of these things because Shinje is actually from the Kingdom of Korea, but he's in the Republic of Korea. And once Lee makes this conclusion, the episode ends in what is a fantastic episode. I think looking back on this episode, it's fantastic. It's, it obviously wraps up the story very much. Like The story goes by incredibly quickly compared to episode 7. And I mean, just talking about Shinje, I mean, what a character he's developed into in just, in just two episodes. We, we figure out more about his backstory. And now that Lee has basically figured out that Shinje is actually a citizen of the Kingdom of Korea, I'm actually quite interested to see what his role is going to be now because he's basically a Kingdom of Korea citizen, but he's grown up in the Republic of Korea. I kind of want to know how on earth did he even get into the Republic of Korea? And maybe perhaps he might be connected to Lee Lim in this way. Perhaps he was planted in the Republic of Korea for a reason that Lim will probably instigate in later episodes, perhaps. Um, that's, I don't know, that's probably, that's just a theory for me, but I, I will definitely say that Shinje will probably have a very big role to play, considering now we know that he is in fact not from the, the Republic of Korea universe. Aside from that, um, Prime Minister Ku's role in here is very interesting as well. I mean, I think just based on how she is kind of handling the situation, especially with Luna and Taeul, I do believe that she is going to eventually side with Lee. I don't think she really has much of an agenda, aside from the fact that she's a politician and she wants to stick around, but I think her interests are with the people. She wants to do the people proud, and considering what is going to happen with Lee Lim and the plot that he's going to instigate, I think Prime Minister Ku is going to end up on the side of Lee. And, you know, it'll be, I'm, I'm quite interested to see like what role she will play as well. Um, aside from that, I feel like I should also mention the romance going on between Taeul and Lee. Now, I actually didn't mention this earlier, but the scene where Taeul essentially confesses her love to Lee, per se, it did feel forced. Like, <laughs> I think when you think about it, like, the the relationship between Lee and Taeul is developing pretty quickly. And <laughs> I think when you consider the fact that this whole drama is only 16 episodes, I guess it shouldn't be that much of a surprise, but still, I mean... <sighs> I've kind of come to the conclusion that how fast this this relationship is developing is by choice from the writers. Like, I think considering the situation that both Taeril and Lee are in, I think they both realize that their relationship might not last. Considering that they're both from different universes in the Kingdom of Korea and the Republic of Korea respectively. And, you know, considering what can happen and what might potentially happen, I think they both kind of acknowledge that 
something bad might happen or they might get separated and they might not be able to travel to their respective universes anymore. So I think when Tae-ru says that she loves Lee, I think she does genuinely mean that. It's just they both understand that they might not have time to, you know, develop their relationship. And, you know, for an audience member, it's kind of disappointing to see. Now, granted, from from a logical point of view, I totally understand why it's like this, but I think for most K-drama fans who are expecting, like, you know, your typical K-drama romance where it's very, you know, developed, quite slow, but, you know, you see, like, more screen time with both characters, you're probably not going to be able to see that in this drama. So I think that's my take on the romance. I think... When this drama eventually ends, when it gets to like the 16th episode, I think people will most likely remember the mystery aspect of this drama a lot more than the romance because I don't think the romance was really even meant to be the main highlight of this show. Like, I know like it's classified as a romance (laughs) that's based on genre, but I don't think romance is supposed to be like the main aspect which again is not something that k-drama fans expect expect especially a high profile drama like this i think because most high profile dramas like take crash landing on you for example that is a very high profile drama that had a very very touching romance story and i don't think this story in the king is gonna have that and And don't get me wrong, that's okay. But, you know, I think people need to, you know, adjust their expectations a lot better, especially with a drama like this. Maybe the romance that people were expecting with this drama might still show up just in a different way. I mean, I think we have to consider that this is a time travel drama after all. So that aspect makes the whole thing unpredictable. So I guess we just have to wait and see on that. I think other than that, Luna is probably going to be the most interesting wild card here because now that we know that Luna is in fact Taeyeol's alter ego in the Kingdom of Korea, she can do a lot of things. Things can be that can be potentially incredibly dangerous for our heroes in this drama. Like I think considering how difficult it was for Yong to even just catch her, I think she can genuinely be the most dangerous individual in the Kingdom of Korea. And as I didn't mention this earlier, but now that Lim knows about Luna's existence and he can he now makes the connection between Taeul and Luna, what what would Lim do to Taeul? Like Luna can be like the key to basically harming Taeul. And we know that Luna is also willing to do anything for a price as well. So it'll be really interesting to see what Lim does. Because Luna, again, is probably the one of the most dangerous people in this drama. Just because of how... Just how she operates. Like, we already know that she's incredibly hard to find. Even though she gets in prison in the Kingdom of Korea multiple times, she's still able to do her operations as normal, and she's quite ruthless as well. Like, she, this girl does not mess around. 
<laughs> ironically enough, both Teirul and Luna do not mess around in their own way. So, yeah. I think as a final thought, I'm so surprised at how I've become so invested in this drama. Not because of the romance aspect, but more of the crime slash mystery aspect of this drama. Like... I kind of find this hard to believe saying this halfway into this drama, but like honestly, the mystery aspect, the political intrigue that we see in this drama is something that's genuinely more interesting than the romance plot itself, which is, you know, as I mentioned already, like that's quite unusual for a K drama, especially a high profile K drama like this. Like, like based on the high profile profile k-dramas i've seen like they usually focus you know like there's at least a very heavy focus on making sure that the romance is well developed here it's developing but i think more attention is being put on the on the drama aspect like the mystery aspect of it and i think instead we are going to get a payoff in terms of romance much later which I think that's something that a lot of people didn't really expect. And I think for me, I'm quite intrigued to see how it will connect because, you know, it's quite different f for your typical K-drama and something that I haven't really seen before with my limited knowledge of K-dramas. So I'm really interested to see how this drama essentially plays out. We only have eight episodes left, so... I have a feeling we are going to have one heck of a run-in in terms of these last eight episodes. I think a lot of things are going to happen really quickly. And considering the groundwork that this drama has done to basically set up everything, I think everything is going to come crashing down really soon. And I think we are going to really, really, really enjoy it. So... Yeah, that's about it for me for these two episodes of The King, Eternal Monarch. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully, the next reaction episode to The King won't be as late as this episode, but I can guarantee you that the next episode will definitely happen. It will. There's like no way that it will not happen because I'm already invested in this drama as is. But anyway, if you like this podcast don't forget to check out our social media in the description below but other than that this is gian from kbaparama signing off take care and have a good night everybody